0: The role of CTO is one of the most important positions within any organization. It's also one of the most rapidly evolving jobs in the C-suite. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Kalyan Kumar, the CTO and Corporate Vice President of HCL Technologies, discusses the way he's seen the role of CTO change. Plus, he explains why companies are now shifting their focus to how technology can create opportunities and the importance of a streamlined workflow. Enjoy this conversation. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org.
1: Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries. And today we are joined by special guest, KK, what's going on?
2: Yep, It's been good. I think uh, trying to adjust to the packing schedule from working from home. And trying to, what I really call is work-life integration.
1: That is the name of the game these days, work-life integration. Uh, I, I don't know if balance is uh, is is the word anymore. That is for sure. So, okay, today we're gonna be talking about your background uh, in technology, uh, what it means to be CTO of HCL Technologies, and much more, so let's get into it. How did you get started in technology in the first place?
2: So I started getting uh, insights into tech, uh, maybe around like when I was 11 years old, uh, I got my first Commodore 64 computer. Uh, And I always said that I became a technologist over a period of time, but I always wanted to be a cricketer first, so I used to be so much playing cricket. that, And the only other thing I used to love was uh, playing with computers and writing code. And maybe at some point in time, that thing became more, I would say that took a little bit of precedence than playing sport. Maybe that time when I was playing sports was not like a big pro thing uh, when it was starting.
1: I love those early Commodore 64 uh, references because we get so many of them of CIOs and CTOs that, uh, that that was their first computer and that's what that was their first technology love. Uh, so I, I, you're not alone there. Commodore 64 and BBC Micro. These were the two things. So, flash forward to today. Uh, tell me what it means to be CTO of HCL Technologies.
2: So actually, if if you see my role, uh, CTO is more of my horizontal staff role. Uh, uh, Unlike typical CTOs, uh, I also have a fairly large line function responsibility. I'm pretty much actively involved in a lot of things which is uh, typically uh, not a traditional CTO who who does a lot of this uh, role. So effectively, if you see what I do from a day job perspective, Uh, Looking at product and technology strategy, what's happening in the market, uh, trying to look at uh, exploration areas uh, in terms of what's coming up new, uh, especially, and and what's being relevant. It's it's, it's more of, I would say, applied technology. It's trying to figure out what's coming in research, what's early stage in the market with startup ecosystems, and really figuring out which part of uh, the company we should be able to plug in some of those pieces. That's what the ETO role does. But I'm also pretty actively involved in driving all our partner ecosystems uh, So in terms of working with all our seven large ecosystem units, which is uh, the big, large cloud AI platform uh, partners, and then trying to build full stack solutions, uh, which we can bring all the might of HCL behind it.
1: Yeah. And so for those of our listeners who don't know, I mean, if they're living under a rock, uh, can you share a little bit more about uh, what HCL does?
2: Hey, uh, so uh, HCL is a 40-plus-year-old technology garage startup which started in India, uh, uh, and uh, the founder chairman still is very active in the company, and he's he's still our chairman and the chief strategy officer. Uh, this We really are in three distinct businesses, so we have one what we call as IT and business services, uh, which is really looking at infrastructure applications, digital, cyber security, uh, process operations, uh, IoT, and the whole stack around services, which is like a global systems integrator. We have a very unique business, which is what we call as engineering and research services. We're one of the top three uh, independent engineering companies globally. Uh, very deep, about 30,000 engineers there which are ERS. And then we've got a, a flourishing products and platform segment, which is a combination of Lot of the uh, intellectual property which we have created and we have acquired over a period of time, which combines uh, com- entities like HCL Software, Actian, Trias Software, um, a lot of our own organic initiatives like ERX uh, uh, and many other entities. So, the, so HCL is fairly diverse. So we've got a GSI business, an ESO business, uh, and an ISV software business.
1: So as CTO, are you working primarily, you know, on product most of the time? Or are you working on uh, on like employee experience and optimizing what your employees are doing, bit of both?
2: Bit of both. So I, uh, my role doesn't, I, I don't manage the internal uh, IT. So which means that I'm more of an advisor and helping our internal IT manage our uh, their internal IT applications and infrastructure. Most of my role is to really work out into the industry and the ecosystem. So mostly I'm spending time with customers partners, and industry bodies, and and, and the startup and other ecosystems. So it's mostly outward. Uh, Where do I spend most of my time? It's, there are dedicated product development and product groups, and there are dedicated solutions groups, but it's really connecting the dots across them. So most of the time uh, I spend is really helping connect the dot across multiple specialists. So if you look at IT, there is an I-shape and a T-shape. Most of the time I'm spending on the T-shape uh, role is really helping connect a lot of this uh, dots together
1: and you obviously you know work with and know a bunch of cios and ctos um i'm curious like what are some of the things that um some of the challenges that you see that ctos are facing today
2: so okay so i would want to frame this answer in uh, in two different uh, contexts Correct. Right? there is the context around pre-covid and post-COVID world, world is very, very different now. So if you really look at uh, the most uh, CTOs and depends upon what they're really looking at, and most of the companies they're really trying to use, how can I make technology create new business possibilities? That's been the single biggest focus for a lot of the companies. You people use words like, oh, I want to do digital transformation, I want to change things. But if you really go to the core, companies are reimagining and rewiring their businesses with keeping technology at the center. So it, so hence, if that is the case, most of the time when we have this conversation, before the CIO role was someone who was custodian for IT, right? now it's changing fundamentally. Every individual in the company is an IT person or using IT to solve business problems or using tech to solve business problems. So I think two things are happening, so one is, the way the roles of uh, the IT organization within our customers is going through a massive change. We are seeing the amalgamation of business technology uh, into one, and that's where we have this new product-centric thinking. So it's this whole new concept of rather than saying there is business and there is IT and throwing things over the wall, the fundamental shift which I'm seeing is, is asking this four questions which typically form the fundamentals of anything which we do uh, in the new world is, is the, the, around the four themes is, is am I building viable products So first question is answer of viability, correct? And that's where this concept of product management is coming in. Are we creating valuable business outcomes? How are we measuring? So the viability question, then there is a desirability aspect, which is where design is coming in pretty much effectively into tech. So what are the user centric problem, user research, customer journey, uh, value chain mapping, that whole aspect of creating desirability and understanding the whole piece. And then this whole aspect of engineering, which is feasibility, will it work? How will it work? And the last aspect, but most important is measurability, correct? And that's where things like data science, a lot of those things are coming in. But it's really that whole larger puzzle, which people were dabbling, correct? Uh, and trying to reinvent their business model in the pre-COVID world, I would say. And in comes the first quarter of this year and the world changes. Uh, and then I think uh, that's a completely different topic to discuss of what's happening in the post-COVID world. A lot of these things still matter, but the, the rate and the speed at which you would do these things is going to go through a fundamental shift.
1: Yeah. I think that the idea of technology kind of being in the background of everything that kind of like modern business had been doing um, jumps to the foreground immediately when every single person needs to figure out how to talk to other people via video chat, or every single person needs to figure out... Um, You know, their communication strategy, their email strategy, their CRM, their, you know, all these things that now it's like, you know, you had the old school sales rep who was like, yeah, okay, I'll update the CRM, you know, every now and then. Uh, or, But like majority of my business is face to face. It's about, you know, shaking hands and things like that. And then all of a sudden, when you're in your house every single day, and you can't do any of that, it's like technology is at the forefront. And there's so many people that didn't understand what they were using, or how they were using it, or how many tools that their company had, because they kind of ignored it. And I think... Especially on this podcast, a lot of times, like we gloss over a lot of that because we're talking to top technologists. But there's so many folks that just um, really technology was in the background of their job, and now it's like every single second of every day. It's the only way to stay connected. As CTOs are, uh, you know, are kind of facing these challenges. What are some of the things that you've done uh, recently in you know the past uh, few months to start to combat this with your teams, with the people who, uh, you, with your customers and uh, and the folks who who you work with every day?
2: So if you really see what most of the time I spend internally is I, I use this term called I'm mostly spending time on doing cultural transformation. Correct? So the CTO role is not about technology. It's a very interesting shift. It's about how do you see technology exists, correct? And I think the biggest challenge we have is how do you make sure people change faster to adopt technology? And, and that's, a, that's a very, very interesting pace. Before, what used to happen is people used to run in a certain pace and technology used to catch up. Right? There is a rate of change in tech, new tech, new capability. Uh, the globalization of talent has really enabled people to create new capabilities correct and and, and at a really high speed pace so how do you make sure people are able to uh, transform and be relevant in the new uh, scheme of things a lot of time I'm spending is around how do we uh, curate more uh, programs uh, which is more around the people aspect is take the talent and run them through the learn, unlearn, relearn, or ability to rewire them to the new world. That's one area which I'm more about building programs or helping drive competency creation and definitely working with all our line of businesses. Finally, those resources, people live in the lines of business. But really about thinking around that aspect. That's, That's one area which I've been spending a lot of time. The other, in the last few months, most of the time is being spent around how do you help companies cope up with the new challenge which they are facing around in the, in the COVID uh, times, right? And if you really see there is a social challenge, there is the business uh, challenge, and then there is a significant technology challenge too. If you really start to look at companies where working in a earn, earn model, and the whole world changed, People, there was a completely different operating model, which got completely changed to a new operating model overnight. People had to really shift through this, and that really created a lot of, uh, I would say, one, it accelerated technology adoption, but it, it brought a very interesting aspect, saying that I could do the rate of change in a very different way, which I could have never done before. So. So that really brought up a very interesting uh, aspect around this. So really looking at what I call what is the silver lining in the new normal, and I've created uh, basically working on uh, this whole uh, theme around uh, you know again taking back to one of my passions around cricket, correct, uh, and saying hey, when you play a test match, it's a five-day game, and there are so many factors, correct? You 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 play in that. You got weather, soil. Um, the patterns, people, mind, skill, everything is being put into test. And that's where we, the world is in now because there are so many things uh, happening together, correct? We've got so many challenges. So what, what's the opportunities or what are the areas which we need to look at in terms of using technology to, to really look at this new possibilities? So I have this, what I call a playing eleven, which I have created. And maybe I'll, I'll talk to you about that. So uh, those 11 things which you need to do uh, which you can really pick
1: around creating opportunities around in the new world. Yeah, let's get into that. I, I, I want to know. So um, so how did you come up with this? It's again, based
2: on, uh, this is very interesting. So end of Jan, the last week of January, uh, uh, we were all in the World Economic forum in Davos, and I was listening to a lot of customer meetings, or I met at least about a few hundred leaders there. And then, uh, obviously, in the last uh, few months, I've spoken to at least another hundred plus uh, CIOs and CXOs uh, of our customers and partners. And based on that, I really found an interesting pattern because, so and ironically, the thing started is I was attending a session in WEF uh, by a great thinker called Yuval Noah Harari, and he was talking about 21 things to watch for in the 21st century. And and one one big thing he put was pandemic. And that was on the last week of January this year. And then in comes Feb and, you know, the whole world is upside down by first week of March. So that really drove a thinking that, hey, there is, there are things which people have been worrying about and talking about, but the world has tend to ignore this. So really we picked up, I really picked a few themes around this and I said, there are things which we can do as technology, uh, as IT or tech, which can really create new opportunities, uh, which you have to do. So really three things you have to do, correct? Right? What can you do as technology within your company? What, what activities you have to do as a tech person? What can you enable using technology for the business? And third, how do you use technology to really impact the society or the social aspect? really is, so if, if I invert the whole conversation, let me take the easier one. So it's like, what would you do as a tech for within the company, correct? So I've been using this theme called, you, you have this six factors which are there, which you can tap around. And the six factors are talent, cloud AI, experience ecosystem, and this culture of learn, unlearn, unlearn, unlearn and relearn, correct? You've got the six things sitting outside. These are levers which you can apply. And then you go and start to look at what can I do with my technology landscape? So we've been really using this term called work, workplace fluidized. So you fluidize your workplace so that you can work from anywhere, any location, any device. And then you can have a seamless, your employee, you don't come to work, work comes to you, correct? So you're changing that whole model of workplace fluidized. You look at adopting cloud in a big way because I think the workload's moving to cloud and the, today most of the reasons companies are able to have conversations is many of their collaboration technologies went to the cloud or else people have just struggle to even connect and communicate, you have to change the way you do security. So you do a lot of adaptization of security, and then you have a good opportunity to modernize your applications, whether you create new apps, you retire your technical debt, you retire your applications, whatever you do, you do that as part of this to really take cost out and and really improve productivity. That's what you would do as a tech layer. Then if you really start to see the impact on the business, this is the time when you really look at a few things as a line of business. One is you look at business rewiring, which is how do I make my business run in the new world where things are moving towards a digital model, combination of physical and digital. Social distancing is inherently built into anything or everything we will do for the next foreseeable future. Contactless tech. E-commerce becoming the new way of transacting. So it's it, and then how do you do CX transformation? Correct? How do I engage my customer? Correct? Like the point you made when we started the podcast, the way you did interviews was you always had a face-to-face conversation. Now and many industries, many businesses, things are dependent upon travel and face-to-face. So how, how do you start to reimagine this whole thing? So business rewired is a very important thing. Supply chain reimagination, I think customers will have to start thinking about how do they relook at their supply chains based on whatever industry they are in. Whether you are retail, travel, transportation, airlines, your oil and gas, your manufacturing, uh, you are any company, you have to relook at your supply chain because now you're seeing based on the world dynamics, dependencies, balancing or rebalancing supply chains becomes important. Content notification, content is becoming the king. So it's, it's the content becoming the center. How, how is OTT, OTT and a lot of other ways of getting content So the question is, is the broadcast versus content? You are seeing a lot of things happening in that industry. And then there is a lot of, I would say, because of this whole impact of IoT or connected assets or making assets smart, connected, uh, and contactless or whatever you would do, there is going to be a big play. So that's where I see the business layer. It's about how do you rewire, reimagine your entire business lifecycle. The third aspect is about this whole social aspect great social human aspect is how do you integrate work life because companies are finding a way how do i keep my employees engaged motivated but also give them the space the flexi model of working sustainability is becoming a very important thing people have realized this cities have become cleaner there's a lot of realization of what i call want versus need and i think uh, this is really becoming a third factor of what is what do i want versus what do i need and there's a new realization coming in. And this is going to also drive a lot of buying patterns, commerce patterns, many other things are going to change for companies. Uh, healthy, being healthy is becoming important. So hence, both as an individual, as a company, as a society, and as businesses who are around the health landscape, there's going to be a big, big change. And the last but the most important thing, which I believe is that this crisis is also telling us about... Empathy and being human, right? And that's the realization of that. And, and that, that continue to go on because we're still in the tip of the pandemic. Correct? There's, there's gonna be the massive downfall effect of the, the domino effect, which is gonna be there. And it's very important that collectively as uh, tech industry, we really start to even think about how we can bridge those gaps and really help around that. So this is the theme which I had, this has been, I've been working on this and, and anything which you're doing solutions, offerings, uh, response to customers, uh, new tech evaluation. We are trying to use this lens to really look through that.
1: And then, so what about this change to cloud native? Um, you know, and I'd like for you to to share a little bit about what you've been writing uh, in terms of building and running a native cloud product.
2: You know, so our book writing exercises. Uh, so, so this is me. Uh, I'm a co-author with a very, very intelligent uh, fellow in my team uh, who. Whenever we have an angst, we write a book, right? We said, we, things are not happening the right way. So What do we do? Let's let's go and write something so that we can then structure our thought, correct? And structure our angst and and, and, and tell people, this is what we think. These are the, uh, I, we use the word artificial stupidity, correct? There's a lot of that exists in the industry. So we always try to write about this. So. And this is the eighth of the book series which we wrote. We've been writing starting from process excellence for IT Operations. the law, and we wrote one before on ZaaS as a service model. This one was purely, we said, hey, we spent two years building a product which is born cloud native. See, cloud native doesn't mean it runs in the cloud. Cloud native is using the principles of how to build a product which can run natively in the cloud. And using those principles, to really just call the 15 factor application. There are so many things, microservices, API first, new user experience, new product delivery model. So we took an experience of how we built a product and we documented it into a book, saying that we took a product from ideation, what we did, what are the pitfalls we had, what are the mistakes we did, what are the things we selected, uh, how we built a monolithic app in cloud native, then how did we break that app into smaller pieces, what are the things which we learned, over a period of time, when you build applications natively born in the cloud, what do you need to worry about multi-cloud? What happens when you change from provider A to B? Things. So it was basically our experiences which we used to uh, have uh, in in that whole two-year journey. We just put that into a stream of product and uh, into a book, and that's that's the whole thing about our learnings and experience. And it's just uh, it was just launched a few months back. So uh, yeah, we keep doing that uh, every time. Whenever we feel like that, we've got some aha moment to go and talk about or write about something.
1: I love the angst. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. When you feel when you feel the angst, that means you need to get the uh, typewriter out and start jamming away. So, do you feel like you know building a cloud native product is something that you know? I mean, we talk a lot about you know this uh, the the cloud transformation or or you know kind of what all this stuff means. Um, you know, specifically with the lens of of building cloud-native products, um, a lot more companies are, are trying to figure out how to do that or maybe they have a hybrid cloud and they're trying to figure out how to do both. Um, what what would be your advice to the CIO or CTO that's looking to build something new?
2: Again, it, the, there is a difference between building applications and building products. So an app you build for an enterprise to be used uh, within an enterprise A product is you build a product which serves a wider audience. So it's very important that the way you build cloud-native applications, you might or you can be flexible enough to let go of some of the principles uh, of how you build applications. But when you build a cloud-native product, you might, in an app deployment world, you would have a significant, uh, I would say, control or directional control of how that application is used, but when you build a product, you still have a product boundary and applicability, but how the product is deployed and consumed uh, gets evolved in a significant way, right? So there's a big difference what we learned over a period of time. So it's again, very important for uh, the community. When you start thinking, uh, it's very easy and attractive to jump into a cloud development because it accelerates things for you faster, but you you need to really use two vectors to do the measurement. One is, is speed of delivery more important or is portability of the product more important? So if you do speed of delivery, then using a lot of native services available by the cloud provider is a very good way to jumpstart because you reach the goal faster. But if you want cross-portability across cloud provider, flexibility to move things around, then I would say uh, think, On that model before you embark on the journey so portability non-functional becomes very very
1: important switching gears um i want to talk about quantum computing so uh do you see this going mainstream anytime soon like and what's the impact
2: i think quantum is a fundamental shift in the way we imagine computing So I think one of the things, and I'm uh, I'm fortunate enough to be participating in the World Economic Forum's Global Future of Computing subgroup, and that we have a chance to meet a lot of these researchers and uh, people who've been thinking and driving this whole um, research in this space. So it's interesting the computer word, if you really use the word computing, it is an evolution of a mathematical term. So effectively, what we know as a computer or a digital computer, correct? Uh, what we really call a computer today is a computer which is designed using the core philosophy of mathematics, correct? So hence, everything which we do is about logic, computational logic, computing, and then it's evolved through the branches. So everything gets reduced back to a mathematical model. So that's how the digital world has been evolved. And then obviously it was a classic play between math versus physics. Whereas if you really start to look at quantum computers, they are computers which are in a more simplistic way. There is a lot of complex. There are are 20 theories on how people look at computing, quantum versus the current computing. The quantum is fundamentally built around real world, right? Or the world which we live in, is in quantum, correct? It's not in the physical world. So the, the, the best example to give is, I, I read in a very interesting article by a gentleman, and and he's a very simplistic way to explain quantum is, you spin a coin in the digital world, you will have a probability model saying that either you get a head or a tail, the probabilistic chance is 50-50, correct? So you can say head is zero, tail is one, or tail is one and head is zero, or vice versa, right? But the quantum model is fundamentally is the journey from zero to one. So the whole philosophy of quantum is that when the coin is spinning in the air, can I use that spinning state itself to start to do So that means that the coin is spinning, it could be at, at t is equal to zero, it could be a zero or a one. And if it's t is equal to one, it could be zero or one. And it can keep shifting till the time the T is equal to 10 or something when the uh, when the coin falls on the ground and you know the result. So effectively, it's, it is going to fundamentally change the way you can look at solving problems which are in the real world. Things like DNA sequencing, molecular biology, understanding material properties. These are all quantum physics. This, these These things use natural quantum physics. So if you have a computer which can naturally simulate behavior which happens in in the molecular biology world, subatomic, submolecular level activities, correct, where things research around material science, physical sciences, things around biochemistry, uh, chemical analysis, things around where you really, today what you did, you converted everything into a mathematical formula and you put that into a simulation system and you ran this whole thing. In the quantum world, it will operate a bit differently, but there are a lot of, there is still the jury is out on how this whole thing is uh, going to evolve. The way I really see quantum computing is you have now quantum computers in production, which you can access over the cloud. IBM has one, Microsoft has one, Google has one, uh, D-Wave, there are a lot of companies, and there are a lot of small startups like uh, one qubit and they're, they're building a lot of you know, pieces around this whole space. It's in that stage where Linux was 25, 25 years back, if you really put it in that way. right? Or if you go back 20 years back, we used to have a specialized processor for just doing floating point calculations correct for mathematics. So effectively, the future of quantum is it will exist as a coprocessor with the digital computing. It's not going to replace. Correct? There are things which are with our current computing model is significantly good at doing. So you will always see quantum as a co-processor to your current computing model, but it's going to create a lot of new possibilities which was before not possible.
1: I love that, uh, the coin analogy. I, I feel like I'm watching Inception because I, my brain was, was melting a little bit <laughs> I'm trying to figure out uh, how you could calculate which way it's turning uh, or what it's gonna end up being. Do you feel like uh with you know things like quantum computing and some of the you know technologies that we've uh discussed today um kind of shifting pack, back to the pandemic for a second disruption is obviously you know a buzzword but it also is is happening in real time what do you think um what do you think the best businesses what are your peers doing that are setting themselves up to be at the cutting edge because, you know, thinking of trying to invest in something like blockchain or quantum or, you know, even AI or machine learning to a certain point can feel very overwhelming to the person who's trying to keep the lights on. So I would say that if you look at the pandemic phase, I would
2: say there were three phases on the pandemic. It started as a, when people were unequipped to handle it, which is you just wrap, it was rapid and unplanned and you just reacted and people reacted did things governments reacted the entire world reacted i think we are now at a phase where the reaction phase is in the end and now we are reaching a stage which i call is the survival phase now from reaction to we were the reaction phase for the first 60 to 90 days and now we are now in the survive space is about hey how do I relook at my business? What do I need to do to keep my business running? What do I need to, to make sure my employees are able to work, access, how do I still make sure I'm able to keep and restart the business? Because in many countries and many parts of the world, uh, we were on a lockdown mode effectively. So lockdown led to a situation where you are operating from unequipped to survive. You are just making sure. Now. When companies have to relook at the whole this thing, one is they have to figure out, I have to move from survival to sustenance. And in this, reinvention becomes important, saying that how do I now reinvent the way to, and that's the reason I said the rewiring, the reinvention becomes very, very important. So that's where the, it's going to be a very, very hard call for companies, and that's where technology leaders need to, need to help business leaders, the CEOs take those calls because you will be at a time where you, you've managed to stabilize the company, you've managed to make sure you're keeping your lights on and running the business. But then how do I make sure that I am creating newer opportunities in the new world? Because in the new world, if you have the same old product being offered to the same customer who or the consumer or which could be an employee of B2B or p 2 c but their demands have changed or their way to consume that has changed. So reinvention will become important. Now, will quantum computing help? The answer, maybe no, not now, but are there areas where quantum will fundamentally look at helping in certain industries? Yes, life sciences, chemistry, uh, companies dealing with materials because you could accelerate your research, your simulation and work like that in this
1: space. I'm curious, what is one of the things that you've faced, uh, whether it's through the pandemic or, you know, in the past few years, that was a particular challenge that, that you had to overcome uh, for, for your team or organization?
2: A couple of instances. So maybe uh, a few years back, uh, I would say maybe five years, four or five years back, uh, the big, big challenge you have sometimes was driving justification of Cloud adoption. Very interesting. And most of the CIOs and CTOs, even they have challenges today, but now maybe in the post-pandemic world, things have changed. But one of the things which happened, this is the conversation we keep having with our business units and with our customers, correct? Is adoption of cloud because this whole business case of hey, should I do it on-prem, should I do it on the cloud? Uh, Should I do it in this way? So that was one big area where I thought was it was consistently challenging because the landscape was continuously changing. So this question always used to come in is why can't I build it myself? Why do I need to go and, and consume the cloud? And, and the, because at that time, even the cloud providers were also much, majority of their offerings were very infrastructure uh, heavy. Correct? That, that, that's, 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 that was the one challenge which I really saw in the last uh, few years. And, and, that, and that challenge continued to uh, get mitigated because people understood, understood the value of how to drive and manage cloud and, and not compare it in the old ways or the thinking, okay, I'm trying to build myself versus buy, but it's also a lot of other factors on like agility, TCO, and, and, there are, and obviously there are concerns around lock-in and security and a lot of other things. In the last three months, I think the single biggest challenge which we've seen is productivity versus innovation. And I think and the reason I'm bringing this question point is We've managed to enable remote working, telecommuting, and the companies are... uh, See, today also, most of the companies have a stopgap model to work from home. They are not fundamentally designed for people to operate in this model for a longer period of time. So there is a productivity challenge. There's been a significant... Initially, if you saw a drop in productivity, and then there's a significant upswing in productivity of people working in a remote model. The hindsight is that this is about running the business and doing things to keep what I call the survive model the the challenge which all of us are currently trying to dabble with and there are different ways and means to address this and and it also will be an evolutionary model of how will I start to continue to bring that same level of ideation innovation I can still deliver scaled agile in a distributed model but the new way of how people can think, innovate. It, 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 this whole idea of brainstorming sessions and ability to uh, ideate together in a whiteboard. You can bring a digital whiteboard. There are, there are still those factors around how do you get the people aspect of bringing them to, to innovation is the first challenge. The second thing is that there is an inherent fatigue in the system being built, correct? Because of this whole current pandemic situation in terms of the working models. How do you get people out of that mode and be able to really think uh, aggressive and forward-looking? Because I think there's been a lot of conservatism,
1: which is also brought in into many of the companies because of the current situation. Okay, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy, just like Salesforce Customer 360 platform. Our good friends at Salesforce, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. We love them. They've been here since the very first episode of IT Visionaries. Check out salesforce.com slash platform. Lightning round questions. KK, are you ready? Yes. Number one, what is your favorite app on your phone?
2: That's a tough question. That's not... uh... Many. But if you really ask me off late today,
1: uh, I would say WhatsApp. Favorite either cricket team or player?
2: Uh, evergreen. It has to be, for me, Sachin Tendulkar.
1: Do you have a hidden hobby or skill?
2: I don't know if there's hidden hobby. I'm a drummer who plays my drums and percussion player and who plays for a band. And maybe there was time when I thought that was my primary profession.
1: Yeah. Is that what you'd be doing if, uh, if you were in a CTO?
2: Yeah. Either I, would, either I would have been doing that or I would have been involved in the game of cricket more as a pro. What
1: is your best advice for a first-time
2: CTO? Don't sit in the ivory tower. Be in the trench. Understand the technology and its implication that's happening on the ground. That will help you become a better CTO.
1: What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often?
2: Is CTO a business person or a technology person? I wish they understood that a CTO is a, someone who's a technologist who has a business plan. But unfortunately, many of the times people think CTO is equal to tech,
1: which is, uh, uh, I hope that thing, I, could have, I, I wish I could have been asked more of that. Well, that's it. That's all we got today. Thanks again. Uh, I know our our listeners uh, love the conversation and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much.
0: IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.